All right, today we're starting a new series. Uh, back when uh, this whole COVID mess started, uh, I was uh, sitting at home one morning, and as we all were for a while, and uh, watching a show called Good Morning America. How many of you are familiar with that? Good Morning America. Two of you. Good. Good. All right. Uh, well, anyway, on that show, there's uh, one of the hosts, or hostess, I guess, is uh, Robin Roberts. And Robert, Robin had a, a cancer scare, and she went through all the treatments, and she's come on the other side of that now. But one, one morning, <clears throat> she made a statement, and it has never left me. And I've kind of built a sermon around it. She said this. She said, you have to make your mess your message. You have to make your mess your message or make your mess your message. And so for the next couple of weeks, at least, we're going to talk about uh, from mess to message. How do we take the mess of our life? Has anyone ever been in a mess? Okay, I didn't, I didn't think I was the only one, but I just wanted to make sure this morning. So we're going to talk about making your mess your message over the next few weeks. It may be two weeks. It, we may wind up doing three or four weeks. I'm not sure just yet. It's just this thing seems to have taken on a life all of its own as I began to study and, and prepare it. So uh, here we go with message number one in From Mess to Message. Uh, I'm, I've been reading a book by Dr. Sam Chan. It's called Leadership Pain and uh, The Classroom of Life. And, and I'm telling you, it's, it's such an impacting book. But he made a statement in there, uh, and then I listened to a podcast that he was on, and he made the statement again. And, and here's the statement. You will only grow to our threshold of pain. Okay? We will only grow to our threshold. Have you ever heard something, someone say something, and you go, I wish I would have said that. I wish I'd have thought about that myself. This is one of those. This is one of those. You will only grow to your threshold of pain. And so if you have a low threshold for messes, then you're not going to grow very much. If you have a high threshold, then you can, you can expand and you can grow. Because here's what I have known. And, and as I've gotten some years on me, I, I begin to realize this more and more and more. Because here's the thing. Our lessons are learned through the losses or through the difficulties. If everything goes well and you win every time, you don't, you don't really learn a whole lot. But if you lose, you get the stuffing knocked out of you. You step back, if, if you're smart and you're intuitive enough, you step back from that and go, okay, what can I learn from what I've just gone through? What are the lessons that I can take away from this? And so this whole series is going to kind of center around how do we learn the lessons and then what do we do with the lessons that we've learned? From our mess to a message. Um, because here, and this is another thing that I know, and I've said this to you many times, and I'm going to say it again, and you'll see it a lot during this series. The pain in our individual lives is just as much about other people as it is about us. Okay. The pain that you and I go through is just as much about others. I'm talking into the future as it is about what we're going through right now. And if we learn the lessons, if we, if we go through that situation, that difficulty, that mess that we're in, and we embrace that and, do, and pull everything we can pull out of it, there's going to be an opportunity later on, if we utilize it, if we're open to it, to speak into the lives of other people that are going through similar situations. The thing that, that, that I don't want, if I'm going through a difficult situation, I don't want somebody looking at me that's never walked down that path and going, well, here's what you need to do. You know, for example, for example, uh, there's a guy that he, he, I, he's not teaching him. He actually, I think he's passed away now, but he used to teach the basic uh, youth conflict series. 
He went all over the country and all over the world. But he, he, he was a single man in his 50s and 60s, uh, and he was, he was teaching on family. Now, you might have an idea about family, but when he stepped into the arena of marriage, I just turned the switch off. Why? Because he's never been married. And he's going to tell me how to be married? Let me tell you something. If you have never been married, you don't know how to be married. Come on. Anybody else with me? Oh, what you need to do is this. Have you ever had a wife? Have you ever had a husband? You don't know. And then, and then, and, and I made this mistake, and I told you guys when I, I've apologized to you so many times down through the years. Ryan and Becca are our youth pastor now. I was a youth pastor here for eight years before I became your lead pastor. And I have apologized to you profusely for the last 29 to 30 years. Because I would try to tell you how to raise your teenagers. And tell you, no, you need to do this. And no, you need to do that. And what I understood was culture. But I didn't have any teenagers. So some of you were very gracious. Yes, yes, Pastor Phil. Yes, youth pastor Phil. Yes, yeah. Okay, Phil. Okay. Okay. You were so patronizing. <laughs> so gracious. And then our kids hit teenage years. And it was an awakening of epic proportions. And I have since that time apologized to you over and over and over because I can tell you this. Until I had teenagers, I didn't know anything about a teenager. Same thing with youngins. You get kids, you go, <laughs> you know, I mean, you learn all kinds of stuff. When it comes to the messes of our life, we go through them. And maybe, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's because we made bad choices, okay? Maybe it's because situations in the lives of others have been thrust upon us. Maybe it's because the enemy has attacked us. It, it, it could be a, a plethora of things, just a whole bunch of stuff. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not one of those proponents that says to you that every, every negative thing that happens is an attack of Satan. I don't want to give him that much credit, okay, because it's not. I mean, there's a whole lot of times that I've been in a mess that was of my own making. I made a bad choice, and I was in a mess. And then I had to figure out how to make the right choices to get out to work through the mess. I'm not going to go, well, Satan caused me to make a bad choice. The devil made me do it. It doesn't work, okay? It doesn't work. For those of you that are old as I am, you remember a, uh, a show back in the 70s called the Flip Wilson Hour. And uh, that was his, you know, the devil made me do it. The devil doesn't make you do anything. All right? So we're going to talk about this today. Genesis 50 verse 20 says this. You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So what I want to do today is kind of give you uh, a few examples from Scripture, and then we're going to close out of what I want to do, use this morning as a springboard for next week when we start to get down in the weeds as, of how do, we, how do we navigate the mess, how do we work through the mess, learn the lessons, and then start imparting it in other people later on in life. So let's talk about the first guy. The first guy is in John 9. He's a blind man. He's blind from birth, uh, you know, and, and Jesus comes along and the guy wants to get healed. And so Jesus spits. For a lot of you, this would be the end of the miracle. It would never happen because you don't want anybody <laughs> spitting. You know, Jesus didn't chew or anything like not dipper or anything like that, but he spat. He spit in the ground and he took it, put it in his hand, put some dirt, spit on it, mixed it up in a, in a clay uh, mess of mud, and he put it on the guy's eyes. Now, how many, think about it, ladies, gentlemen. 
How many of you, if this morning I told you, if you need healing for your sight, come forward. You take off your glasses, and I spit in my hand with some dirt, and I start rubbing it on your face. How many of you go, I'm going to get in line for that? (laughs) Not many of us are going to do that. Not many of us are going to do that. But this guy stood right there. Now, he he didn't see it. (laughs) 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 He don't know what's happening. Everybody around is going... If he could see now. So Jesus just lathers him up with mud and says, now go take a bath or or go dip in this particular pool. All right, so what is this guy's mess? He's been, he was born blind. That's a mess. You got to figure out how to live without sight, without seeing. And, and I, you talk to people that have, that have lost their sight or lost their hearing, and, and they all say the same thing, that their other senses begin to be more keenly honed and all this kind of stuff. And that's great, and that's wonderful. But if you had a choice, you'd want to see. So this guy's in a mess from his birth. All, everything happens to him. He, he goes and takes the bath, and he can see now. And he's walking around, and people are going, is that the guy that was blind? Oh, no, it's just a guy that looks like him is what one translation says. Finally, the Pharisees hear about it, and they're investigating, kind of like Congress. <laughs> Everything that happens, we're going to do an investigation. So the Pharisees are investigating this guy who was blind, but now is walking around seeing, and they go, how did that happen? He goes, well, this guy came up to me, and the next thing I know, I've got mud in my eyes, and he tells me to take a bath, and when I get through taking a bath, I can see. Well, who is this guy? Well, I, I don't know. He just came up and put mud in my eyes and then walked off. Because See, he's still blind when Jesus walks away. He doesn't see. He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know what he looked like. So then they get real pointed to him, and they talk to his mom and dad, and they go, we don't know. All we can tell you was he was blind. Now you see. How it happened, you need to ask him because they were afraid of the investigation. If you read the passage, it says that. They're afraid of the investigation, afraid of the Pharisees. Finally, the guy, I mean, the Pharisees are relentless. Finally, they, they ask him, when did this happen? Well, it happened Saturday. Oh, the investigation just hit another gear. Now, something has happened. How did it happen? Well, from what I'm told, he spit in some dirt and rubbed it on my face. That is working on the Sabbath. Pharisees are ticked off now because it's been, the Sabbath has been violated. And so they really start questioning the guy. And he finally just says, look, all I can tell you is this. I was blind. This guy healed me, and now I can see. That's it. Now, not to be outdone, the Pharisees go, they booted him out of the synagogue. But his message was this. I was this, now I'm not. Okay? From mess to message. Another blind guy in, in, in the New Testament, you know, the disciples go, why is he blind? Is it his sin or is it his parents' sin? And Jesus said this, and here's, here's, here's this is the kind of the, the kicker in this whole thing. He said, neither one, it's not about their sin. This situation, this mess is so that I will be glorified and the Father will be glorified. Okay? From mess to message. Second person, there's a lady in John 4. 
She has a not-so-stellar reputation uh, to a point where she can't even go to the well in Samaria uh, at the time that everybody else goes and gets water for them, their houses or for their flocks. And so she goes in the middle of the day when there's nobody going to be there because it's hot. If you've ever been over there in that region in the middle of the day, it's hot. So she goes in there and Jesus is there, just sitting there. And he asked her, hey, can you give me something to drink? And she goes, well, you, ain't got any, you don't have a pot or anything. And then they start having a conversation living water and all this, if you, you know, and finally she says, he says, go get your husband. And she said, I don't, I don't have a husband. She, he, he said, look, I know that. As a matter of fact, you've had five. And the guy you're living with now is not your husband. And then he talks to her about living water and he talks to her about getting to a place where you will never thirst again. He introduces himself as the Messiah. And she responds by hearing everything that he said, accepting everything that he says, and runs into the village and says, y'all got to come see this guy. He told me everything, everything that I've ever done. He told me everything I've ever done. Her mess, five failed marriages. Living with someone outside the bond of marriage. She's an immoral person because of her living situation, okay? It's just, I'm, I'm not judge. I'm just simply saying this is, this is a statement. She has a mess on her hands. She's been living in a mess for no telling how long. I mean, however long it takes you to get five marriages. Could be a while. We know that the, that the city, that she, the area she lives in, they don't respect her because she can't go to the well at the same time everybody else does. She goes at the middle of the day when no one is there. So she's cloaking this just to get water, just to get water. Five failed marriages. But notice what it says in verse 28 of John. Leaving her water jar. She didn't take it with her. She left it. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah that came out of the town and made their way toward him? And look at, the, look at this. Verse 30. Many Samaritans believed because the woman told them. From mess to message. From mess to message. Probably one of the most pointed ones is a guy named Joseph in the Old Testament. Genesis 37 all the way to, 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 verse, to, to chapter 50. It's not often that you find an individual other than Jesus that so much of the Bible is designated to one person. I mean like 13, 14 chapters on Joseph in the book of Genesis. Joseph is a young kid. Uh, he was the he was born to his mother and father and their old age. He's his dad's favorite. His dad gives him a coat of many colors, all this kind of stuff. His brothers don't like him because he's really a brat. If you read the story, you just, he, he is a sarcastic little snot. And, and, and I'm sure that he, his brothers whooped him up pretty good from time to time because if you read, they, they get ticked off. And when they're older, they just decide to sell him. Well, they wanted to kill him, and then the oldest one said, no, let's don't kill him. We don't want to do that. It's a little extreme. And so they put him in a well, put him in a cistern, a hole in the ground, and they were trying to figure out what to do. And this band of, of gypsies were coming by or whatever they're called over there. And, and they said, hey, here's an idea. Why, if we kill him, we don't get anything out of it. Let's sell him. So they sold him to a caravan. The caravan took him into Egypt. He's on the, on the, the, the selling block there. They sold him to Potiphar. Potiphar's one of the high ups in the, in the country there. So he starts working for Potiphar. 
Potiphar's wife takes a liking to him, tries to seduce him. He, does, he doesn't go for that. And finally, one day, he walks in the house. She's there by herself. He's there. She tries to seduce him. He runs. She, gra- he grabs, she grabs his coat. Anyway, make a long story short, he goes to prison for trying to rape the wife of Potiphar. He was falsely accused, but he goes to prison. While he's in prison, he excels. But there are two, got two of his cellmates there that are in prison, and they both have these dreams, and they, they're worried about the dreams. And he says, look, tell me your dream, and God can interpret those dreams. So they, he tells them, and so he interprets the dreams, and one of the dreams was really rough on one guy because he lost his head. And then the other guy, he gets reinstated to his position in, in Pharaoh's court. And he said, and Joseph tells him, he said, now remember me when you get out of here. Remember me. Well, the guy forgets him. So now, not only has he been sold in slavery by his brothers, he's, he's been falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He's in prison. He's befriended some people. He's helped them get out of prison, but they don't remember him. And so he stays in there for years. He stays in prison. Years later, years later, the guy that he had interpreted a dream that was reinstated, Pharaoh had a dream. And he said, hey, I know a guy. I was in jail with him. And so they got Joseph and all this kind of stuff. Ultimately, ultimately, when you read the story, there's a great famine across the land. Joseph is elevated to second in command of all of Egypt, and his brothers come to Egypt to buy grain. And it's there that he is reunited. I'm, I'm, I'm skimming over a whole bunch of the story. But here's the thing. There's a point in time when his brothers are concerned. After his dad dies, after their father dies, the, his brothers are concerned now that their dad is dead that Joseph is going to turn on them. And he says, wait a minute, brothers. He said, here's the deal. I would never do that. Here's why. What you intended... His actual words were, what you meant for evil or for harm of me, God has used for good. From his mess to his message. From his mess to his message. You ever consider Jesus in this stuff? From mess to message with Jesus? I mean, think about this for a second. What if you were born... For the specific purpose of suffering, unimaginable torture, pain, agony, suffering, and ultimate death. That's why Jesus was born. His message out of that is twofold. The first part of his message is, I have come. For what? John 6, 38, to do the will of my Father. John 12, 46, I've come into this world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. John, Luke 19, I have come to seek and save the lost. And John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and that more abundantly. He was born to suffer. He was born to die an agonizing, horrific death on the cross. That's the purpose that Jesus came into this world to do. He was born to go through that stuff. And he's in a mess. Everybody's abandoned him. He's all alone. He's dying naked on a cross. Everybody's ridiculing him. They're, they're all this kind of stuff, spitting on him, doing all kind of stuff. That's, that's the life that Jesus had. That's the mess that he's in. But he has this message for us. He's telling, he was telling the message before he ever went to the cross. I have come to do these things. 
And in Luke chapter 4, Jesus, he comes into Nazareth there, and he, on the Sabbath, he goes to the synagogue, which was customary, and, he, and, he, and they hand him a scroll. He stands up to read, they hand him a scroll of Isaiah, and he reads this passage. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the pa- prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he says this in verse 21, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So what is the context of that scripture? Well, you've got to go back to Isaiah 61. Here's the entire context. Now listen to this. Follow along if you're in you version. Here it is. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of grief and mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. He came. His his mess was the cross. But his message was, I have come to exchange something. I've come to make sure that you have this divine exchange that takes place. That in your grief, I'm going to take your grief and I'm going to turn it to joy. That when the fires come in your life and there's nothing but a pile of ashes, I'm going to turn the ashes into a beautiful thing. And I'm going to give you, instead of despair, I'm going to, I'm going to have a way that you can exchange despair and depression and all this kind of stuff for gladness. Okay? This is why he came from mess to message. But then notice this. From all of that, the, the exchange is still taking place. They will be called oaks of righteousness. Verse 4, they will rebuild ancient ruins and restore the places devastated. They will renew ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Jesus came into this world. He went into a mess. He lived a mess. He was obedient through the mess. And he came to bring beauty instead of ashes, joy instead of mourning, praise instead of despair. That's why he came into this world. So to show you and I that our mess doesn't have to be the end. That from our mess, we can proclaim something. We, from our mess, we have something to say to people in a mess. Amen. Amen. They will be called, what? Oaks of righteousness. What does that mean? Oaks of, what is, what's that all about? Let me tell you something. When you're in a mess, you feel like you're in a vortex of a tornado. You're blown here and there all over the place. Everything you, every time you get hit, you get knocked down. You feel like you're rolling around on the ground. You're going here, you're going there, trying to find some help. But what he's saying to you is this. I will do a divine exchange because of my mess. My message to you is I'll give you the ability to be stabilized and consistent. An oak tree. You will be an oak tree. You won't be blown like a, like a tumbleweed anymore. Now you're going to be an oak tree. You're going to rebuild. He doesn't leave us the way we were. He doesn't leave us in the devastation of the mess and restore and renew the devastation from mess to message. So where do we start? Well, that's the second part of the message that Jesus came. His first first part of his message is, I have come. The second part is this, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You ever notice when you're in a mess that it's hard to rest? Ever been in a mess and you just couldn't sleep? You had a loved one in a mess 
And it's almost like you take on the, the, the qualities of the mess because it's, it's tearing you up inside as well. Yes, we all, you stay, you wait, you stay. If you have kids, you don't sleep much. And you think in your mind that when they get up and they get grown that, you, that you'll sleep, but you don't. Because you still are worried about your kids. Why? Because that's what parents do. That's why you're here. Okay? They're here to make your life hell, and you're here to stay up all, all night, all hours of the night. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of what it is. It's kind of what it is. John 9, uh, Matthew 19, Jesus said, come, follow me. Follow me. Why? Why do we follow Jesus? Well, Hebrews 4, we have a high priest, a great high priest ascended to heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. So let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize or empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, but he didn't sin. Say it another way, he didn't give up. Because he had his mess, he lived his mess, he maintained his obedience and faithfulness to the Father in his mess, we now have an example and, and, the, and the promise that if we'll hold fast to him, we'll make it through the mess as well. Look at the last verse. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our mess. Is that what it says? It says in our time of need, but mess works. Mess works. So we come to him. Why? Because Paul said it in Philippians 3. He said, I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus. I don't want to just have a head knowledge of him. I don't want to have some book learning of him. I want to, I want to know Jesus. I want to know the power of his resurrection. But you can't have a resurrection unless you participate in the sufferings. That's what Philippians 3.10 says. Why is this so important? Because it's from our greatest pain and our deep, from our deepest pain that our greatest anointing comes. From our deepest pain comes our greatest anointings. If. You say, well, you can you just leave it. No, no you, there's always an if. There's an if. Here's the if. If you fight the pain and you wallow in the pain, you'll never have a message. You'll never have the anointing that God's promised to come on your life. But from our deepest pain comes our greatest anointing if we embrace the mess and work through it. It's hard to do, guys. I'm telling you straight up. It's hard to do. Because most of the time, we, we run from pain, right? We, <laughs> would you like some pain today? No. I don't, want, I don't want to go through pain. We run from pain, but we gravitate to pleasure, right? We, yes, we do. That's just human nature. But in, in reading Dr. Chan's book, he said something in, in one of the chapters that I was reading earlier this past week, and he said this. Oh, no, that, actually, this was on the podcast that I was listening to. He said this. When you embrace your pain, you will be invited to greater pain. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, I'm liking that. When you embrace your pain, you'll be invited to greater pain, but also to greater opportunity. Why? Because you and I will never grow beyond our threshold of pain. We, we tend to think when Jesus said, 
if you're faithful in small things, I'll make you, I'll give you greater things. We tend to think of that in, 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 in the situation of good things like money. You know, if I drive a clunker and I'm faithful to the clunker and I'm a good steward of the clunker, that God will give me something new someday. But it's also in pain. When we're faithful in a little bit of pain, we're going to have bigger pain. But I'm just going to stay unfaithful in the little ones. <laughs> then you'll never have a message. Jesus said, I have come that you can have life and that more abundantly. But abundant life only happens when we live through the negative and embrace it. That's the only way it comes. You say, well, I just don't. Listen, Hebrews 5.8 kind of caps it all off. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. And if Jesus learned obedience that way, who are you and I to say we, have to, we can learn it some other way? Don't waste the pain. Recognize your mess as an opportunity for God to bring a message of hope for others. What the enemy meant for evil, God turned it for good, only happens if we embrace it and work through it. Amen? Let's stand all over the room. I want to ask the altar team to come. They're going to be here around the front. I just want to ask you a question. I'm not going to have you bow your heads or anything like that. But I want to ask you this. The last part of Jesus' message, the second part of the message of Jesus is this. Come to me. Come to me. So I just want to ask you this morning. Are you working in a mess right now? You got a mess going on right now? In Jesus' name, move out of your seat and move forward and come to Jesus and give it to him. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. You say, well, the lights are on. That's okay. Ain't no big deal. Ain't no big deal. Are you in a mess? You want a message? Come forward right now. Bring it to Jesus. He said, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, not Phil, Jesus, come to me. Anybody else this morning? You got a, you're in a mess? Then come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Altar team, just begin to move amongst all of these that are here and just begin to pray for folks. We got still folks coming down on this side as well. See, this, this step forward is about embracing where you are. It's about, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. This is what's taking place. I'm in a situation. I'm in a mess. I, I, got, I got stuff going on. I got stuff going on. Embrace the mess. I need two or three other prayer warriors. If you'd move, we got a lot of folks down here. Need some folks to move. Some over here. Liz, Garrett, right here. A couple more ladies on this side, right here. 
We embrace it. We embrace it. We embrace the situation. It's not about liking it. It's not about wanting it. It's about this is where I'm at. This is about what's happening. This is what's going on in my life right now. So I'm taking this. I'm going I'm to own it, and I'm going to work through it. I'm going to own it. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to learn what God has for me to learn in the middle of all this stuff. I'm going to learn what he has me to learn in the middle of all this stuff. Okay, you got that. Okay, good. Good. Those of you that are standing out there, just slip your hand this way. Just begin to pray for these. Because here's the thing. If you're not in a mess right now, you're going to be in one at some point. So begin to intercede for those that are in one right now. Each mess is preparation for the next one. Father, we thank you this morning, God. We thank you that we can know you in the middle of storms. We can thank you that we can know you in the middle of our situations. We thank you we can know you in the middle of our suffering, God. That as we suffer through these things, we can remember that you did the exact same thing. And you know what we're feeling. You know what we're going through. You have walked in our shoes. You know how we feel. You know the loneliness. You know the pain. You know the, the agony. You know all the stuff that we're dealing with. All the emotions that are there. You know where we're at because you have lived it. So God, in, the, in this moment right now, I pray for each and every one of these people around the front of this building, God, as they come forward and go, I'm in a mess, Jesus, and I'm embracing you in this situation. I'm embracing this situation. I'm going to learn what I need to learn from this because someday I'll be able to speak into somebody else's life. Someday I'm going to be able to speak to someone and tell them I've been where you are. I know what it feels like in that situation. God, do your work right now. Do your work in this situation, Father. Do your work in their lives, God. Do your work deeply right now, Father. Let them know. Reveal yourself to them in new ways during this time, during this season. Because what they're facing right now will be just as much about someone else in the future as it is about them right now. We know this, Father, from your word, and we embrace that. We pray for strength, God. We pray for guidance, Lord. We pray for wisdom, divine wisdom to be spoken into their lives. We pray for stamina, God, and patience. We pray for visitation of your Holy Spirit. Lift them up. Build them up. Build them up. Lift them up, O oh Lord. praise. While these are being ministered to here across the front, just want to tell you this. Next week, we're going to unpack Isaiah 61. There's some things that we can do. Um, how do we move from mess to message? What I don't want to do is tell you what you should do without telling you how to do it, okay? You know, one application as much as we want content. So next week, we're going to start talking about how do we work through, how do we move from mess to message, and how do we work through this. While they're being prayed for, let's say the Lord's Prayer, and then Tommy's going to come, and he'll close us out. Pray this prayer with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Jenny.